be one journalist of the year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat, and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by the Social Justice Warrior Coalition of Hogwarts University. We know that Voldemort has wanted to divide all of us by socially perceived biological differences, such as gender or sexual preference or muggledom. We among the Hogwarts social justice warriors are committed to activism for all of the most important and pressing causes of our time. Liberation and fair wages for all house elves, the need for birth control in the Weasley family, and awareness of the bulimic dietary disorders of Death Eaters. Remember, that magic that you thought was fun and enjoyable is also intolerably politically incorrect. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And Mickey, with tax day almost upon us, are you finding the need to relax and unwind and take, you know, depressurize and de-stress eyes through coloring books? I I like how you threw that to me. As you know, I am a huge fan of adult coloring books, but this is not just because of tax season. This is something I use all day long. And um, you may note, if you're looking at the New York Times bestseller list, that adult coloring books top them all. So I'm not alone in my desire. On behalf of everyone who writes actual books, Mm -hmm. um, this is a terrible development. (laughs) No, it's a fantastic development. It's a fantastic development. And I say this because when was the last – I mean, you have kids, obviously. But when was the last time you, like, sat down and colored? Uh, with them, I color pretty regularly. Uh, mm-hmm. With my little guy, he has a whole big page of uh, various Star Wars images, and I did a pretty cool Boba Fett the other day. See? Um, having said that... So, Moppy not. Okay. If I did not have a kindergartner, I would not be doing coloring books. You think that, because it sounds so, like, dumb. But the reality is, not only was it recommended to me by a therapist, I, it's now becoming a very popular thing. Uh, some friends of mine and I are actually starting an adult coloring book club. Really? Yeah, for real. Um, we're going to get together and drink and color. But the important thing is, like, for me, someone who has, like, anxiety or you get stressed out really easy, you would be so shocked. The simple, like idea of just focusing on whatever it is you're coloring takes away that immediate like panic and stress. Some other things that people are now getting back into, um, I've seen a lot of those like little plastic uh, needlepoint type things. You're seeing people picking up hobbies, I guess, in order to cope, which I think is great. Hobbies are better than, you know, Drugs and other things. You know, um, it, it is worth noting you'd be surprised who's involved, who, who enjoys adult coloring books. Uh, I believe it was um, Ed Morrissey, our friend from Hot Air, had made some sort of offhand comment about uh, millennials who need to grow up and put away their coloring books. And I'm pretty sure it was Katie Pavlich, one of the smartest, toughest, and, you know, most uh, able to deal with, with uh, grief and aggravation person we know. It's like, hey, I did a really cool peacock the other day. 
Well, that's just it. Like for and and I don't know if it's a chick thing because it could very well be. Um, I haven't seen a lot of men like yeah, I love her. Um, however, the females in my life that I have introduced to it initially mocked me like I was an idiot. I'm not kidding. Really? I mean, <laughs> they were just like unbearable. Um, however, the minute I actually got them to color. Then they went and bought their own books and markers and colors, depending on what they like to color with. Okay. I believe there is now actually a, a national or global um, uh, shortage of colored pencils uh, in steel. By the, which, by the way, like we use crayons. Uh, I myself, if I were going to be coloring myself, would want colored pre- pencils for the precision you can get with them. But uh, not that I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. Crayons, right. though, or crayons you draw, are under- too. You're actually creative. Like I can't draw. So for me, this is a way to kind of be creative by merely choosing colors and keeping it in within the lines. And like I said, it is definitely a stress reliever. I um I got my grandmother into it. Really? And, yeah. And one, because she's, you know, she's bored and she needs things to keep her mind occupied. She loves like word puzzles and things. And so I introduced her to the adult coloring books and she now has like an entire collection of adult coloring books and an entire collection of things in which to color them with from crayons to pencils to what she deems her very fancy markers because (laughs) they actually finish in a paint like like you put them on like a marker but they finish like a paint yeah i've seen those the silver with the silver flex in it paint that comes out of like a sharpie yeah it's really cool and so, like, my grandmother now at 87 years old has found something that she thoroughly enjoys, and she, like, invites people over to come color with her. Don't get me wrong. I love Crayola crayons, but, Jim, isn't there some kind of political correctness lawsuit in the wind for Crayola over the flesh-colored crayon? Oh, oh yeah. that, that was years and years oh, ago that okay. they had the um, rather generalizing thing that a, a rather peachy color, a rather <laughs> apricotty color that would be, let's just say, a particularly Caucasian color. Caucasian, was that was a true. long time ago. They did keep Indian red uh, around <laughs> for another decade or two. Oh, which so in un- re- <laughs> Which, in retrospect, may not have been the most uh, uh, appropriate. But it was one of my favorite colors. But I think uh, the Indian red is about Indian art. It's about the creation of the color from available uh, chemicals and minerals in the ground, that sort of thing. It's not the skin of an Indian, but rather his art, his palette, his template. That's the way I, I, I say. It. If they had had an oriental yellow, I think we would have <laughs> there, there would have been some objections there, and, and for good reason. Um, now, let me observe. Like I, I go to Barnes & Noble, Mickey, and I see just like the just shelves and shelves of these books, including ones that strike me as, like, if you purchase the Game of Thrones coloring book, mm-hmm. does anyone have enough red Crayolas for uh-huh. all the blood that must be in those? See, here's the well, other thing. That's the beauty. Yeah. Like, the, the theme of these books all vary. Some of them are, you know, just animals and butterflies. Some of them are, like, tattoo designs. Some of them, the ones I got from my grandmother I bought at the Christian bookstore. So they all have, like, Bible verses and things in them. And they're based on the Psalms. And she loved it. And I mean, but you can find them anywhere on any topic. It's just a matter of, you know, is this something that you want to do? I, I should clarify to our audience because when you say adult coloring book, they may think like X-rated. Yes, and in I was reality, about to say it needs a new name. 
Yeah, it, it's, it is an adult coloring book, but it's a coloring book that has designs that are much more complex than what you would find in a child's coloring book. When you say, I got my adult coloring book at the, at the church store, right. um, it's probably going to cause some, uh, some, some you know, heads to turn. And the second thing is, Mickey, when people think adult coloring book and they think that it is of a more uh, sexual or purient nature, you know, Mickey, I can't think of anything less, bore, less, ex, less like the real thing than to color images of sex. <laughs> That's about as far removed from actual sexual activity that you could possible come up with. I'm going to color. I mean, that's why when you say, oh, yeah, I'm really into adult coloring. People just look at you like, that is the strangest fetish I've ever heard, you know. As far as I know, sex is the color of the inside of my eyelids, and that's pretty much it. There you go. <laughs> What is the color body of paint? Their picture. What is the yeah, color of sex? Darkness. <laughs> With a lot of blood vessels illuminated from behind by the room light. Oh, hold on. It could be flesh color. It could be peach. It could be apricot. But it could be Indian flesh? red. It could be any one of those. It could be any one of those. Yes, or even a nice toasted brown. If you're in Star Just Trek, don't green. Know. Yes, you know so. <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, okay. So here's the thing. Okay. So I, I was about to scoff and say, uh, uh, "Interesting mean things to me." Yeah. Isn't this, you know, another sign of the growing infantilization of America's youth? Isn't this another sign of those millennials who refuse to grow up and be adults? Um, and this is where you can say, "Hey, wait! Didn't you spend last weekend building Legos with your sons?" Right. Um, or how many of the listeners out there have video games? And and all these things that once were considered. Uh, extremely juvenile all of a sudden are, are now re- more or less acceptable for, for grown men and grown women to do. Well, yeah, absolutely. And one of the more interesting things about it is the fact that these types of activities are now being recommended by psychologists, psychiatrists across the country um, in lieu of popping a Xanax. And so, you know, there's, there's obviously the coloring books, like I said, the needlepoint. I've seen people getting into knitting. And I think part of it is that, you know, we're a work hard, play hard society for the most part. But a lot of times people forget that second half. Mm-hmm. And so we work hard all the time and then we forget to play. So you're we- saying if you're going to color, color hard. Oh, for the love of God. Yes. Color hard. Don't do this halfway. Press that crayon down. Get all that color onto the page. There's Get it in there, baby. Get it in. Uh, now, actually, where you do make a very good point is that let's say, you know, most fine artists don't necessarily work in Crayola, but, but you know, our studio, you can make good art out of, out of with just about any kind of materials. If you say, oh, last weekend I, I spent. Uh, um, my Saturday painting in the garage, you know, I, I worked on, I did a coloring paint. If you, if you created art with any of these things, people kind of, you know, say, oh, he's very creative. He's very uh, expressive. He's, he's, you know, uh, you know, very deep, very uh, artistic. But if you say I colored because you're doing what you're filling in the lines with somebody else, um, people kind of say, oh, you're, you're, there's something wrong with you. Um, well, I, there is something wrong with me. I'm not artistic. I can't draw things. So, um, Coloring in the lines is like as good as it gets for me. <laughs> so, so besides your Bible verse uh, ones, what else have you colored, Mickey? What, what, is, what, is, what is your coloring masterpiece? Well, the Bible verse stuff I got from my grandmother. That's not what I bought for myself. Um, okay. I have several masterpieces, actually. And what's interesting, for those of you who might be interested in giving it a try, 
you can actually go online and download and print off adult coloring book pages that are specific for it. And some of my favorites that I've done, I'll be completely honest, um, are a lot of, I do a lot of flowers and I do a lot of landscapes. And one of my absolute favorites was a book that I had that had like tattoo designs because you could just go crazy. Like a lot of them are just really wild designs and it's a matter of kind of figuring out the patterns and colors you want to use. I'd like to see um, Cheech and Chong's adult coloring book. There you go. <laughs> Which I believe are printed on rolling papers. <laughs> uh, uh, but I don't know if you guys can hear the phone ringing in the background. There's nothing I can do about it. So That's all right. We're uh, pros. Roll on. Okay. <laughs> uh, that actually is the National Coalition of uh, Coloring Book Producers who are calling in to object to my uh, insensitive disregard for their fine, fine work that is taking over the publishing industry and putting a, you know, taking, taking books with words out of your local bookstore uh, and taking them off the front shelves and things like that. So Always that something can... to whine about. <laughs> Always something to whine about. Glad and you as didn't we answer. talk about, you know, what Jim considers my childish habit we're gonna roll into something much more adult in the next segment and that is the new harry potter the movie the new park and all things in potterland we'll be right back Walt disney's sleeping beauty an unbelievable achievement in the art of animation a timeless love story with excitement, adventure, and awesome villains. Walt Disney's Sleeping Beauty, rated G. There's a bold one in every family. Anywhere the bold one goes, he gets dirtier than anyone else. He's the bold one. Bold can make even the bold one bright because bold has a power team that breaks up tough dirt and lifts it away. A power team so strong it makes things more than clean. So strong it makes things bright. Here's Cousin Harriet. Here's Cousin Gilbert. And um, here you are. He's the bold one. He's the one we want. Bold for the bold one in your family. Hi, and welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White, along with my co-host, Jim Garrity. And uh, as we were, you know, discussing all the childhood things that I like to do in my life, as it turns out, I'm not alone because coming up and, and something that has just been a living, money-making machine is the series of Harry Potter. The characters created by J.K. Rowling. We now have new books coming out, new movies coming out, and even new theme parks coming out, Jim. And yet, you're not so sure how you feel about Harry Potter as a role model. Yeah, I, look, first of all, I mean, look, I think the, uh, I'm really looking forward to the, the new film entitled J.K. Rowling Needs a New Yacht. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's the uh, uh, it's it's the the uh, forbid strange creatures and where to find them or something like that. And uh, it yeah, takes like place in the in the in the United States of New York of 1920s, um, and it's about um, the the Danish girl uh, coming over to this with, with strange creatures and having to find this. And apparently, it looks like there's an evil politician, uh, and that's the you know that that's always a good sign, right, Mickey? Always. <laughs> 
you know. There's not going to be any heavy-handed moralizing uh, going on with that one. Uh, it looks, you know, typically spectacular with all kinds of creatures and amazing things. It kind of shows just the amazing things you can do when you have a near-unlimited special effects budget. Um, but, but so you mentioned about the J.K. Rawlings needs a new yacht thing. Mm-hmm. Is it possible she just wants more attention? Because I mean, it started out obviously she knew this. The all of these things were in production. But she came out and, like, you know, she auctioned off her chair. She auctioned off other things kind of building to, you know, kind of a pre-promo to why people are paying attention to Harry Potter again. But at the same time, I'm like, woman, like, when is enough enough? Go live your life. Well, okay, I think it's pretty clear that writing these types of stories are her life. Um, And as much as I, you know, made a snide comment about her needing a new yacht a few moments ago – it's not like she has anything else she really needs to prove. Right? I mean, you know, when you have probably one of the best-selling series of all time, that's probably second only to like the Bible. Well, right. <laughs> no. um, she's it was kind of perfect. She, you, you would only write these stories and publish these stories if you feel this uh, deep inner compelling need to to share these stories. Um, having said that, I, I do look. You had said, uh, did, you, did you actually read the books, Mickey? Oh yeah. Okay, they're right next to your coloring books, right? <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh huh. You had said at one point reading the series, um, was it that you wanted to smack Harry Potter himself, or you wanted like to to vigorously shake him, or or? Oh no, you- I wanted to smack the shit <laughs> out of him. Okay. Um, and it specifically happened. Um, I want to say it was like book four, um, book four, book five, but it was when he was going through puberty, mm-hmm. and the behavior in which he presented was one that was not something that I, I mean, maybe, and I'm not saying definitely, maybe it had something to do with the fact that I had a, you know, pubescent stepson at the time who (laughs) who showed a lot of the same similar, like, you know, I know everything. People are trying to tell me stuff and I know what I'm doing and I'm so smart and everyone else is so dumb. That there were times in the book, like I physically wanted to just punch him in the face. Right. So it hit a little too close to home. <laughs> to say the least, that. yes. And and again, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of a, a fan fiction about Harry Potter. It's not like J.K. Rowling didn't write other books since Potter. She's tried. They don't sell. Mm. So there's something to that as well. But. It, it's just the idea of, you know, I, I read all the books. I saw all the movies. I felt like it was a very complete set. And, mm-hmm. it, and you know, you, you who mock me for my love of childish things, have your own issues with the way Star Wars has been handled with prequels and things like that. True so enough. imagine the fear of a Harry Potter fan that suddenly they're going to start throwing out prequels and stories that are unrelated to explain mm. things that we didn't need explained. Jar Jar yeah. Binks comes to Hogwarts, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're just saying we're going to be magically destroyed? <laughs> anyway, um, Mickey, you know what, Buck? I, I remember when the Harry Potter books, the first couple of books came out, and they, they you know, were flying off the shelves, and, and kids are devouring them, and they're getting kids into reading. Everybody loves them. And then, like every you know, couple times a year, you'd get this kind of uh, this report of some church group that had banned it, or you know, was it getting the kids into the occult and Satan? Oh, dude, I have family like members that. that wouldn't let people read it. Okay. Um, that always struck me as probably an ill-placed concern, but I, I do think that there was a there was a 
viable gripe against Harry Potter that I never thought got enough attention here. Mickey, as you're reading these stories, do you notice that Harry Potter is always breaking the rules? And when he gets caught breaking the rules because he was going on an adventure, the allegedly wise authorities at Hogwarts punish him by sending him on another adventure? That is true. However, the second adventure is always like pretty much like he has to survive or die. Quite literally. At one point, this is definitely, I'm I'm more, I only saw the films, but at one point, honest to goodness, you know, Harry Potter, Hermione, you know, Neville, Draco, you've been caught out of bed at night against school rules. Your punishment? Is to help Hagrid find and rescue a badly injured unicorn in the Forbidden Forest. At 2 a.m. Like, that's the coolest <laughs> thing any kid could ever be asked to do. So what you're suggesting the is the punishment is not fitting of the crime. You know that at some point, either, either you know, Neville apparently went on this, but at some point there's like there's some kid in the background who's always following the rules, who doesn't go out on the adventures because he's staying home studying. And this character is like never gets any of the glory, never gets any of the attention, and is basically what you don't want to be. Well, because Harry Potter is always going off and saving the world and, and riding unicorns and Pegasus. And Neville and, ends know. up being a very important character. Yes, um, was it, Harry Potter is always rewarded for breaking the rules. He and the ginger sidekick steal a car at one point. <laughs> it, is, it is Grand Theft Auto Hogwarts. And does anybody ever put the only the only person who wants to hold him? The only person who ever wants to hold him accountable is Snape. And everybody obviously begins disliking and distrusting Snape, in part because he's played by Alan Rickman, and Alan Rickman <laughs> can make anyone seem sinister and menacing and terrifying. And Snape was sinister and Mr. menacing, Potter. even in the books. I mean, one of the things I, I felt they did a really good job of trying to translate the books. I will say this. I thought the first book was the least accurate in the movie. How weird is that? However, I think they fixed that later on by just making extended movies or two movies, like two-part movies. They just got longer and longer to the point where I believe uh, the movies are actually longer than the books. Um, <laughs> Not actually. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, again, like why? So the idea, no wonder we all want to be Harry Potter. You know, readers kind of, oh, you, know, you realize that every single time he's ever in danger of really getting in trouble. There's always that sense of, well, you know, his parents were killed by Voldemort. And he does have that scar on his forehead. And it does flash with whatever danger is nearby. And then it's always, oh, okay, let's let him go. Let's let him go. Like, does Harry, Harry Potter is constantly doing off and doing special things because he's told from day and one that, that he's special. And yes? true. Okay. Yes, he has been told from the very beginning that he's special. That's 100% true. But I, I just want to side note this and say that the real hero of all the Harry Potter books, every single time, is Hermione. Yes. She fixes everything. Like, based on the, the books, you know, obviously, J.K. Rowling has alluded to the fact the original book was written about Snape as the main hero and then shifted it to be more like a children's book um, and making Harry Potter the hero. But in reality... The only one who really knew what they were doing and ended up saving their asses more times than once was Hermione. Mm. She was the only one who could get the spells right. And uh, I want to go back real quick to the uh, the uh, religious reaction to Harry Potter because, like I said, I, d- I actually did have people in my family that were because I you know I, I've told you before they're somewhat puritanical. Um, 
really opposed to Harry Potter in the beginning, and I had read the series, so of course they asked me about it, and I'm like, you do realize the spells are just Latin words, right? Well, we can't have Christians learning Latin. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> right. So then it became like, oh. But apparently there must have been some advance done suggesting that this was, you know, real sorcery. Uh, I, I still kind of go back to this idea of the entire, wait, given a choice between telling people you are special. You have a grand destiny, which is kind of this universal theme to all of, to all of these things. Well, maybe that's the problem with all the kids who read the books. Yes, and they, they need to put down their coloring books. Um, mm-hmm. The second kind of observation there you mentioned about Hermione. If there is one common theme that brings together uh, Harry Potter series, uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens, and uh, we probably could also throw in like the, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean series as well. Mickey, it's that when the world needs to be saved, it will be saved by a plucky young British girl who weighs about 90 pounds. <laughs> you are so right. My hero like, has always been Hagrid because that's my natural state. <laughs> I loved Hagrid. Like, I loved all the characters, even the ones I hated. But I, 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 I do think, you know, there, there's different ways to look at Harry Potter. And I'm sure there's probably a college class on it now. Uh, oh, I'm sure they're probably, you know, textual deconstructions and <laughs> things like that. Um, you know, I don't know about you, Mickey. I, I find myself, uh, of, of all the people in the world uh, who could analyze uh, Harry Potter and try to help us find wisdom from it and find life lessons and, and things we could all apply to improving ourselves, um, a person who comes to mind to me, Mickey, is uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Doesn't, isn't that the same for you? <laughs> I bring this up because Gwyneth Paltrow has a... Uh, a new book of not just recipes, but also life advice entitled It's All Easy. And we're going to go over it, not so easy, in the segment right after this. I'm Jim Garrity with Mickey White. Keep it right here. Every folks, step right up, shoot a duck, and win a jar of natural orange flavor tang. It's the new improved tang that tastes better than ever. Boy, I like instant tang, but I hate the idea of shooting a relative. Just shoot one little duck, duck, and get this big jar of Tang. Tang? Goodbye, Auntie. You missed, but you can't miss with Tang. And if you really want Tang at its best, make up a pitcher full and cool it off in the refrigerator overnight. Great for breakfast or any tasty old time. Mmm. Just got to win some of that Tang. Okay, Aunt Duck, hold still. Why, you miserable Tangster? Now wait, I was just kidding. March. Step right up, folks. Get to rabbit and win a big jar of tang. It's a living drink tang, gang. It's tangerific. Back to the Jim and Mickey Show. Yeah! Crank up the radio! Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And we're about to return to one of our favorite figures to analyze and dissect here on the Jim and Mickey show. Mickey, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes, the co-star of the Iron Man series and longtime Hollywood star has always done her part to try to help us live better lives. She's told us that we don't need to get divorced. We can merely get consciously uncoupled. Uh, She described her separation from her loved one a little while back. Um, She also went on to food stamps uh, and tried to say, oh, how hard it is to live on $29. Uh, she, of course, then, of course, bought arugula uh, <laughs> and all kinds of other, like, unbelievable... And limes. And limes. Like, nine limes. Why she chose it? <laughs> Apparently, it went well with the corona, uh, which is among her absolute 
uh, inevitable, unavoidable, must-have things. Um, my favorite aspect of, of Gwyneth Paltrow's endless useful life uh, life tips are she always likes to give a a, 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 a gift list, recommended gifts for, to give your man and things like that. Yes. And they usually cost, like, the minimum object on there is something like $500. Correct. Well, yes, and also from her website. So that's always helpful. Yeah, I recommend that you buy this $500, we'll call it a business card holder, for <laughs> off of goop.com. Yeah, you know, it's, it's always like, you know, it's a uranium eye mist or things like that. Or, you know... Free range dream catchers, and you know, <laughs> yes, I can't wait to buy Mr. Vice trinket vessel. You know, <laughs> I have a feeling I know why the conscious uncoupling took place. That's all I'm She's tired of getting like, these crappy gifts. I'm not, a fan of Coldplay. I'm not a fan of Coldplay, I don't really know much about Chris Martin. All I know that's going to ex husband is that I feel sorry for him. On a level that, can you imagine living with that sanctimonious bullshit all the time? <laughs> hey, if Iron so, Man can be henpecked, anybody can. Yeah. I, I just, I can't even fathom. And of course, now she's out pushing her book, mm-hmm. which is entitled, as you mentioned, It's All Easy. <laughs> well, yes, you were born into Hollywood royalty. You look like a supermodel. You've pretty much had no worries your entire life. Seems like it should be easy for you. <laughs> That's not how most people live. I, I was going to say to you know, I, I think there was the uh, the bass guitarist for Guns N' Roses uh, wrote his auto. The title of his autobiography was "It's So Easy and Other Lies." Right. So the idea is like an acknowledgement. No, it's actually not. And he talked about his, his struggles with drug addiction and things like that. Gwyneth Paltrow is writing this book entitled "It's So Easy," and she doesn't mean it ironically. Correct. No. Like she's, don't you understand life is easy? No. There is she irony is in that lack of irony. She legit about this. She believes, by the way, with all her heart, and I've seen her in interviews and read multiple articles on this book because I just could not believe she had the audacity to name it that, Could to be honest. She legit believes that she lives a very normal working mom life. Yes, because she also talked about how um, – she had to, to film on location for some movie and uh, women in an office have it easier than she does because they don't have challenges like that. Um, Mickey, can I share with you one of my favorite Gwyneth Paltrow uh, quotes, an example of the tell you know, we, we're scoffing at her, but one that kind of reveals that sometimes it's not so easy. Absolutely. And I've got one for you too then. Okay. Um, so apparently, uh, one of the things that's really difficult to find is a really good concierge in Paris. Uh, oh, so quote, when you go to Paris and your concierge sends you to some restaurant because they get a kickback, it's like, no, where should I really be? Where is the great bar with organic wine? Where do I get a bikini wax in Paris? Don't you hate it when that happens, Mickey, when the concierge in Paris sends you to a bad place? Oh, it just makes me bribed. so livid. Like, I, I just had that happen last weekend when I was in Paris <laughs> hanging out. An answer to the lament of the common folk. <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose if that happens to you, you know, if you somebody recommends a great restaurant and you get it's there, not and it's not the that worst great. thing in the world. Though. I, ironically, uh, the restaurant she went to was the Bluffton Room in South Carolina. <laughs> I, I was wondering if you're going to bring that up. 
That's a throwback to a couple nice. episodes. Nice well way to bring done. that all around. Now, I want to share with you my personal favorite, latest Gwyneth Paltrow quote. Mm-hmm. You and Dave, I need you to prepare because I want initial reactions. All right. Her response was, many people believe that I'm too intelligent to enjoy sex. (laughs) What, has she got a book in her hand or something? (laughs) (laughs) Good grief. (laughs) Are you finished yet? I am on the last chapter. (laughs) I I mean, maybe I am dumb. All right. Maybe, you know. All right. That's it. I died. Oh my gosh. All right. I died a thousand deaths when I read it. And I was like, no, Gwyneth. Nobody thinks that you're bad at sex because you're, quote, too intelligent. <laughs> Allow me to show you a picture of yourself and remind you that, like, next to Nicole Kidman, you're about as icy as they come. I don't know. She wasn't half bad in that uh, young Shakespeare movie she unwound herself and got naked with the well here's the thing i I, if let's say mid mid act she suddenly starts going off on these philosophical thoughts uh and or talking about all the wonderful gifts she's going to get you from her gift list uh that could that could ruin the mood pretty pretty badly there um i I have another you know i've now found the list mickey and so now i can share another gate of another great humble moment of uh of of gwyneth paltrow's struggle oh please Uh, do all right, so indisputable. So I, I've been to London a few times in my life, and you know, the, the, even Londoners and people in the UK will joke about how bad the weather is. Okay, and and winter in London, it's cold, it's blustery. Yes. All right, fine. So she did an interview with Harper's Bazaar in 2013, and she said that she managed to get through her tenth London winter by assigning January International Month, and I'm using her son Moses, her children Moses and Apple. Let's just pause to contemplate those names. Uh, with a quote, visiting Italian chef, Japanese anime screenings, and hand rolled sushi lessons. <laughs> Isn't that how you get through the winter, too, Mickey? Oh, absolutely. I just invite them right over. I call up Wolfgang Puck. I'm like, can you come <laughs> over and work with me on putting together like the best appetizers? And then, of course, you know, I make a phone call real quick to The Rock and ask if he'll come over. And, like, screen some new movies with me and the kids and things like that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I totally identify. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How does she sell any um, books? That's what I want. She's nuts. Like, there's no way that and, – and people who see her, like, I, I just recently saw her on Kelly and Michael. And, you know, you guys both know. Like, that is, like, my dream job. That would be fantastic. It's just behind Kathy and Hoda because they don't drink as much um, on Kelly and Michael. Now, having said that, she was just recently on there. And honestly, it's troubling to see how sincerely delusional she is. <laughs> like, it's not it's, an act. It's an authentic delusional. Yeah, it's like, it's pose. not an yeah. act. She sat there and they showed a picture of her and her daughter who was, you know, a lot older than we all imagine because we haven't seen them in forever. And Michael made a joke about something about the apple not falling far from the tree. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was a beautiful moment. And she had this very awkward look on her face. 
And I'm like, surely someone in your world has told you Apple wasn't a good name. <laughs> what did you do? You think Before she got Michael Strahan just kind of rolled off with it this morning? I, I doubt Strahan meant that as badly as it is possible to take that. I think he exactly. Was just well, to that's make a the pun. whole thing. It was just like he was laughing. They're talking about her daughter. They showed the picture of them, and she does look just like Wenet. And he's like, something about the apple not falling far from the tree. He's laughing hysterically. She's like, mm, really? <laughs> you know? Like, she does not come across as someone who has a sense of humor, like, in any form. Yeah. Um, a, a, a quote that I have found here, which maybe symbolizes, like, it's, it's kind of the, the Rosetta Stone of, of Gwyneth Baltrow uh, and, and Toto. Quote, I am who I am. I can't pretend to be somebody who makes $25,000 a year, unquote. <laughs> now, besides the pretentiousness, besides like, like this is the sort of thing you'd expect to hear from a Paris Hilton, right? Or yeah. maybe even Trump or something like that. Somebody who is like just known for being ostentatiously wealthy and kind of wears it with pride. You know, uh, uh, Mark Cuban, right? Somebody who's just, you know, over the top wealthy. Kanye West. Kinda, in your face, yeah, Kanye. There you go, right? But here's like, I can't pretend to be somebody who makes $25,000 a year. Mickey, is that a quote you'd expect to hear from a professional actress whose job is to pretend to be somebody they're not? That's exactly that what, what she should is? be doing. I mean, she hasn't been right. playing billionaires lately, except in Iron Man when she gets to be CEO of Stark Industries. Mostly she plays regular people. <laughs> she can't pretend. She needs to go home and lose her job. Get someone who's better at pretending in there well, in those acting Have roles. you seen her movies? Yeah, not really. Well, and, and I'd like to go ahead and just throw out there, you know, have you watched her films? Mm, can't say that because, I have. Because, you know, pretending isn't really her strong suit, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Question would be, all right, what's the last non-Iron Man movie anybody saw with Paltrow in? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Iron Man and the yeah, Avengers. Uh, Shakespeare I'm in sure love. she showed up in something. Like, Shakespeare in Love. That was a oh, you know what? Ago. You know what? She did do one movie I liked. Sliding Doors. Okay, that was, that was back in the 90s, right? Okay, sure, yeah. And she had very few lines, but I really liked it. Okay. Um, it was more because of the concept than her, though. It would have been good with any actress. Um, and I can honestly say that, but I think, again, it comes down to, this is a woman who, as you said, said, I can't pretend to make $25,000 a year, who we have already discussed in this segment alone. How she has compared herself to normal housewives, stay-at-home moms, working moms. Well, and, you talk about how much harder she has it than them. And how, and this is really, really important, how she tried to live on the whatever food stamp amount that she made up in her head and lasted all of, God, awful Boo? concierge in Paris. So I'm thinking that, you know, maybe... She's right when she says she can't pretend to be someone like that, but maybe she should stop telling other people how to live their lives, too. There you go. Well, clearly this, this has now become her brand. This has become her identity is that she is the pretentious, insufferable celebrity uh, who has no idea how your life actually is and doesn't even pretend. And um, uh, the only way I think I, I think that at some point we should just embrace Gwyneth Paltrow for who she is and how she is and, and stop trying to change her. In fact, I think the best solution to this would be to have National Gwyneth Paltrow Day, uh, which I believe is going to happen sometime in the next month or two. <laughs> Mickey and I will be talking about these crazy national days right after this. <laughs>
flight leader to ideal fighter jet, clear for takeoff. Roger! Flight leader to ideal fighter jet, turn indicator on. Red warning light will tell you when you're off course. You're flying by radar, holder steady. Enemy plane coming in at two o'clock. Enemy out of machine gun range. Set your range finder, get set to use rockets. He's in my sight, rockets ready. Flying in Ideal's electronic fighter jet is like flying a real jet fighter. You work the throttle, indicators, radar scope, and warning light. You control six moving targets, fire four rocket guns, buy Ideal's fighter jet wherever good toys are sold. It's wonderful. It's ideal. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White along with my co-host, Jim Garrity. And uh, wanted to let you guys know there is a new national holiday. It is National Tea Jams Day <laughs> right now. Whenever you're listening to this, this is National Tea Jams Day. Why? Because I said so. And at some point, I'll create a hashtag, and then it'll be real. Right, Jim? Yeah. You know, I was about to ask you, Mickey, what day is today? Um, and you had the option of an- answering to me that this was uh, – uh, apparently, as we're recording this, it is still part of National Pet Week. Um, just this past weekend was National Siblings Day. Uh, I'm really surprised they didn't go and break it up into two separate days, one for the sisters, one for the brothers. <laughs> um, National Grilled Cheese Day was last week, am I right? No, National Grilled Cheese Day was earlier this week, and it was the same day as Be Nice to Lawyers Day. Give them a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> Give them a grilled cheese sandwich. Or my opinion was to combine the two and make it National Grill a Lawyer Day. There you go. Finally, good use for that panini maker. Right? Uh, you know, let me observe. National Grilled Cheese Day. This is, this is all just a giant conspiracy by the Kraft Corporation, right? That's, mm-hmm. you know. And be nice to Lawyer's Day. That's, that's you know, the American Bar Association just kind of like sue to put that on the calendar. <laughs> I have no idea how that made it. I, honestly, of all the like made up, made up, holidays be nice to lawyer day seems like the made up of all the made us up so we clearly now have reached the um the long tail this 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 you know we talk about the balkanization of our culture now absolutely everything has its own day uh about a month from now may the 4th is obviously uh star wars day for may the 4th be with you um not august 28th is uh national topless day now i'm pretty sure that was just started by a bunch of guys who would say, hey, <laughs> do you think we can convince some women to go topless? No lobbying we- required. Oh, very similar to March 14th. Steak and a BJ day. <laughs> created by men who were like, hey, hey, this is not such a bad idea. Also, I, I don't know the date in March. I think it's like March 23rd is National Cleavage Day. Again, another day I'm guessing was not day. created by women. <laughs> So, as I say, I don't know. First of all, Mickey, are you, are you like me? You hear about these days. You, you, you wake up, you get your coffee, you turn on your computer, look at Twitter, and somebody on Twitter is telling you it's, you know, tweet your private parts day or something like that. They're saying that whatever day it is, matzo yes. day. Uh, and I do, help. by the way, feel the need to respond, but yes. I was almost late to the studio this morning because of all that traffic. I didn't realize it was a T-Jams parade that was still underway. Yeah, I mean, like the other thing is, like, does, do, by declaring something a particular day, um, do do you get the feeling like what, what like what would? Oh, I better change my schedule. That 
You know, like like grilled cheese day. How many people actually had grilled cheese because it was grilled cheese day? Well, you know, I didn't. <laughs> I have no idea how many other people do. I, I only eat meat with my meals. Like, I don't understand the other the alternatives of that in any way, shape or form. And but I mean, like, I'm sure there's a national kale day and we know how awful that is. <laughs> Ironically, the only person who had grilled cheese on National Grilled Cheese Day, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Her one time a year when she's not eating kale. There you go. Yes, but of course, I'm certain that it was filled with Gruyere and much better cheese than what I normally have in my refrigerator. (laughs) Like all of these, like, like, because we know they're not going to be actual holidays, right? You you know, first of all, we say, oh, it's a national such and such day. Well, do you get any, uh, do you get the day off? Is it a federal holiday? No, then it's not really a holiday. All right. Thank you. But then this next thing, like, I'm trying to think if there's any day that, whether any people actually do like do people still plant trees on Arbor Day? No. Okay. The I mean, moment I, wa- no, that's not true. I said no, that's not true. There are environmentalist groups that still like the there's the whole you know that whole what do they call the Sierra Club, and they get together and plant trees and whatnot. I, I was pretty sure that it's Arbor Day. Charlie Brown was a sign that Charles M. Schultz and the Peanuts Gang had really run out of other major holidays to oh. do. And that's when they started going around the second time on, on Christmas and things like that. Um, but like, I, you know, like Mother's Day. Is that a real Day, thing? Arbor Day? Yeah. No, it's an Arbor Day Charlie Brown. Yes, I'm not making that up. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. My I'm guess is if you wind up in one of, of the course major. It was, it was probably like written in the 70s, right? Uh, sounds about right, but uh, no, I'm kind of so where the fake Indian was crying and all that. <laughs> yes, but with the the Italian American Indian, yes, it's enough um, to make you sick, <laughs> isn't it? Enough to make you stop. Okay, so <laughs> I'm Sopranos. I, you think I'm making this up? It is a. It was the 15th primetime animated special, and it aired on March 16th, 1976. Oh Lord, our listeners and I just learned something, and um. You know, obviously, some before we were born, some not. But oh my God, they had a. It's a National Arbor Day, Charlie Brown. If you wander it's Arbor Day, Charlie Brown, one of those. Okay, uh, so if Schultz is still around, peanuts expert. Well, Charlie Schultz even, died years ago. Yeah, he's not. I, still I, that's what I said. If he were still around, yes. Would he then be? It's you know, be nice to lawyers day, Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> or would he be more like? Um, National Topless Day, Charlie Brown. Uh, I think we can. I think we can uh, cross that one off the list. Um, you know, looking down this, they, 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 they uh, okay. Actually, the, if, while we're talking about really obscure days to put a peanut special about, uh-huh. uh, what have we learned, Charlie Brown, from the 1980s? Finally, a topic I get to bring up out of nowhere on this. All right, so what wow, have we okay, Brown? bring it. Aired on uh, May 30th, 1983, which is Memorial Day, but it was one week before the 39th anniversary of the D-Day invasion. And this is one that is all about the D-Day invasion. And it's basically they go to they, – they had done a story which they went to France. And somehow when they're camping, Linus ends up walking to Omaha Beach. And he kind of has this like surreal – flashback that is not in the traditional um, Peanuts animation. It's all uh, taking archival black and white footage over um, other colors and stuff and the voice of Eisenhower talking about D-Day. And I actually showed it to my sons to teach them about D-Day a little while back. And so it's like... Where could we find this, Jim? I'm sorry? uh, where Where can people find this? 
It is. I believe the key scene is up on YouTube. If you want, then to I will it. pull that up and put it on our Facebook. We'll put page. it up on our Facebook page. But when we're talking about like really obscure days that uh, could and should get a a little more attention, I, I wouldn't mind a uh, the anniversary of D Day. We talk about you know December seventh, nineteen you know a day of living infamy, June sixth. Um, was it anniversary? Yeah, yeah. There are like major points in American history. I don't necessarily mind hearing about that rather than inventing a, oh, here's a f- tangerines deserve their own day. You know, it's National Tangerine Day or something like that. So. Well, and a lot of it is marketing. Um, nine times out of ten, it's marketing. But there's something to be said for recognizing all of these faux holidays, if you will, and not necessarily taking the time to recognize major um, milestones, if you will, or anniversaries in the country's history that, you know, allow the younger generations to remember what actually our country's been through. And then maybe they wouldn't be, you know, like all like, wait, why'd we get in World War II? Yeah, that's a good point. Or at the very least, you know, eat grilled cheese while thinking about D-Day. <laughs> At least let's put something useful to these random days. You know, play Dude, if we're gonna have a you know play a tambourine day. Well, let's and, have and the, the other part know. of it is I cannot even fathom the idea of them running a Charlie Brown special like that right now. Even that exact same one, like running it right now without people just losing their minds. The irony, the, the two great ironies are that one, like there's there's nothing like I, I haven't seen anybody ever call it distasteful or anything. Like it really is handled just right. It's not cutesy it's not fun it really is trying to take an audience and this is i I think i remember watching it when i was myself i probably would have been about eight years old at that time uh to take an audience that probably either hasn't heard of d-day or has no familiarity with it uh and introducing them to this and they know they're going to ask their parents you know mom dad what was that what's that all about um and kind of begin those discussions and stuff so uh mickey i want to thank you for this conversation on crazy days bringing up one of my uh, pop culture treasures that I think is uh, um, it just feels like it came out of another world or something like that. Thanks so. for sharing. That's fantastic. And for our listeners, like I said, I will try to get that up on our Facebook page from YouTube and uh, it's facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the National Grilled Cheese Day, uh, we're going to go from the mundane to the strangest foods right after this. You probably know the person who reaches for the phone and never reaches for the phone book. That's a waste of phone books. And a waste of money. Every day, 13,000 of your telephone dollars go into paying operators to look up 185,000 numbers already listed in your directory. Before you reach for the phone instead of the phone book, stop and think about it. If you honestly need a number and can't find it listed, call us. That's why we're here. But please, look in the book first. When you're out to get the beer, don't fool around. Get the best name in the business Oh, old Milwaukee beer It tastes as great as its name Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And Mickey, on this week's Trivial Tuesday, your Twitter hashtag game that occurs every Tuesday, asking your friends, our listeners, and people who follow you on Twitter, for some rather random oddity, you've asked them the strangest food they ate this week, correct? Correct, yes. Um, I was inspired by watching Bizarre Foods and um, specifically by seeing them pull out a gooey duck. And what? if you 
never seen or heard of a gooey duck. They are a clam that looks like a giant penis. There's just no other way to describe it. I mean, who would want another no way to describe it? That's the best description I've heard of any food ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine. So I asked our listeners, what is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? And I will tell you, I got some really interesting answers because we have a lot of, one, some fantastic followers. Obviously, they do a lot of travel. So um, also a lot of military guys that listen to us. And thank you for your service. They've been overseas for different projects. Um, powdered olive oil with olive oil ice cream, okay. which apparently tastes like the best vanilla ice cream you've ever eaten. I'm just building up now. Okay. And um, obviously some people put in shark, plantain, okay. mango, um, and the big one was dorian fruit. Dorian, now, is this like a, a, there's a painting of fruit and the, the nice. Dorian gravy. <laughs> no, <laughs> Dorian fruit is something that, as, as a fan of Bizarre Foods, um, Dorian fruit is one of the few things that Andrew Zimmerman will not eat. Because according to him, it smells like hot, wasted garbage. <laughs> hmm. uh, now, according to our listeners, while that is wait, true. Wait, 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 wait. You didn't ask him how he knows what hot, wasted garbage smells like? Dude, he worked in a kitchen, I'm assuming oh, okay. he knows. All right, so he has professional qualifications. Yes, okay, he has professional qualifications. Sure. However, according to our followers and our listeners, um, they love it. If they can get past the smell, apparently it's really, really good. And uh, frog legs, obviously very popular. Alligator. One of our listeners has eaten a sea cucumber, which I didn't even really know what that was. Um, once I admitted to eating a groundhog, then all the game came out. You've eaten a groundhog, Mickey? Yeah. So, um, so you're the cause that we have six more weeks of winter? Is that what you're saying? You know, someone suggested <laughs> that as well. You guys really do think a great deal like our um, listeners, which is kind of scary. Um, but yes. Here's the thing. Did you feel like you're eating the same meal over and over again? <laughs> oh, my God. It's like you're quoting them now. Um, Travis, I want to let you know that Jim doesn't really know that you said that. We but Travis Glover, one of, our fo- one of our listeners, and you can find him on Twitter at, at 1975, and you're going to love this gym jets fan four ah he's the and you have to eat it over and over and over again right groundhog day i don't know if i can eat an animal that knows how to drive a car you know what i'm saying i i do i do understand that but we had people who had eaten emu um let me go ahead and i'm gonna pull up the list because i, I actually did write down a few of these one of them is eating live crab i had not had any familiarity with that as a thing but apparently you can eat like these little miniature live crabs um and also blood cake soup and uh and then i reminded everyone that whether they knew it or not they had probably eaten ostrich because when you snap into a slim gym <laughs> that's exactly what you're snapping into um really? so i really want to thank everyone who participated this week our listeners are as you can tell, intelligent, hysterical, and they do keep me entertained. I am so grateful for them and for all the growth that we have seen, um, specifically over the last several months. And I want to do a big shout out to our three top markets. Now, you guys, I haven't even told you guys who they were this week. 
And um, I want to let you know that I was I was a little shocked. This is a first time leader for us in the top slot. In the third spot was New York City, which is usually number one or number two, along with DC. The number two spot, you guys are going to love this, Chicago, Illinois. All right. So hmm. thanks, guys. Thanks in Chicago. And uh, thanks, New York City and DC, for always being there. But a special thank you to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, they were our number one city this week, and it was an unbelievable amount of listens, actually, for that market. So thank you so very much. Uh, we do appreciate it. And uh, do, does any of those names on that list surprise you guys? I was going to say Grand Rapids, Michigan, Mickey, is so surprising. I, I don't even have a Grand Rapids joke ready to go. I, right? I, Who's I'm not that sure coming? there is a Grand Rapids I, joke other than Michael Moore. But is he from there, Grand uh, Rapids? Really, like a New York, Chicago, Grand Rapids. Wow. Thank you, Grand Rapids. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you, Grand Rapids. Thank, and again, thank you, D.C., New York, and Chicago, Atlanta. You guys are always right there in the top. But really, thank you, Grand Rapids. That was, that was absolutely fantastic. Um, we could not do anything that we do without you. Uh, one of the things we talked about last week is we may be reaching out to you for more help. There's going to be a lot of T-Jams expansion this year. And we're looking to uh, get some of you involved with that if you're interested. But you can find us here every week at soundcloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. I am Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. And you've been listening to the one and only Jim and Mickey show. No part of this program was made from ostrich. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas drinking, piston clanking, air polluting, smoke belching, four wheel buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Like you do your rent. Well, I figured it up in over a period of time. This $4,000 car of mine cost $14,000.99. Well, now, Lord, Mr. Ford, I just wish that you could see what your simple horseless carriage had become. Well, it seems your contribution to me, to say the least, got a little out of hand. Well, Lord, Mr. Ford, what have you done? Half a car is a trick to drive, don't you?